0: My name is Phil Stinson, and in this episode of the Police Integrity Loss podcast, we're going to talk about crime by police women. And today, I'm joined by my colleague, Natalie Todak. Natalie was a master's student at Bowling Green State University, where I'm on the faculty, when she worked with me on this project. And Natalie is now a doctoral student at Arizona State University. So Natalie, why don't you tell us why this study is important?
1: Police crime has been studied a little bit, mainly our focus is on police crime Uh, engaged in by police women, which is something, to our knowledge, nobody has ever studied before. This is important mainly because a lot of literature says that police culture is um, a big factor in why officers engage in criminal behavior as police officers. But we also know that police women are excluded, if not just simply less integrated within this police culture. So it's important to see how their criminal behavior may differ or how their behavior may differ or um, whether it differs at all from criminal behavior by police generally. And this is important theoretically for the future of police crime studies because we, we want to know about all police crime engaged in by various groups within the police agencies as more minority groups are starting to work within police agencies and so it's important to see how different groups are engaging in this type of behavior. We want to be able to identify risk factors for which officers are likely to engage in this behavior to help agencies in general identify and handle these types of situations. Do you want to talk about police crime?
0: Well, we define police crime as any crime that's committed by a sworn law enforcement officer who has the general powers of arrest and is employed either at the time of commission of the crime and or at the time that they're actually arrested for the crime. And they're employed by a non-federal law enforcement agency, either a state or local agency, anywhere in the 50 states or in the District of Columbia. In terms of research that's been done previously, crime committed by law enforcement officers. I look at Fife and Kane 2006 study as a seminal study and it's really the starting point for my dissertation research which has become a good part of my research agenda as a professor and the Fife and Kane study was a study of career ending misconduct by police officers in the New York Police Department the NYPD and they looked at over several decades different factors and predictors relating to why an officer would be terminated for misconduct or why an officer was not terminated for misconduct. So they looked at things beyond just crime committed by police officers. One of the interesting things that comes out of the Fife and Kane study is that they noted that despite what other scholars had said in the past in terms of limiting our definition of police crime to those crimes that are committed by law enforcement officers, while they are on duty. In other words, while they're working as a police officer. They pointed out that you cannot draw a bright line, that there's no easy way of differentiating quite often between the crimes that are committed on duty and the crimes that are committed off duty by police officers. And the reason for that is that policing is a violent culture. Police officers generally carry guns when they're off duty as well as on duty, and also because of the prevalence of alcohol-related problems in the policing culture. So for a variety of reasons, you really can't draw a bright line in terms of off-duty and on-duty crimes and saying one's related to the job and one's not related to the job. So there are other reasons why we point to Fife and Kane. And since the death of Jim Fife, Kane and White have published several articles, and they also recently published a book called Jammed Up, which is a book that deals with the original Fife and Kane study on career-ending misconduct in the NYPD. We also know a lot about police crime from independent commissions over the years, and a lot of them are from the commissions in the New York Police Department. So we have the Mollen Commission in 1994, 20 years before that, we have the NAP Commission. And in fact, every 20 years or so, going back well over 100 years, there's been some sort of scandal in the NYPD and the Independent Commission resulting and all sorts of new information coming out about police misconduct, police corruption, and police crime. So we know a lot about police crime from the New York Police Department. The problem with that, though, is that there are no other police departments in the country that are anything like the New York Police Department. There are currently over 34,000 Uh, sworn law enforcement officers in the New York Police Department. At the time we started this research, about eight years ago, there were about 43,000 sworn officers in the NYPD. The average police department in the United States, though, is much much smaller than that, probably 10 or 15 officers is the average size of police agency in this country, and there are, what, 19,000 or so law enforcement agencies across the country. So while we learn a lot from the NYPD, it's a difficult starting point because the NYPD is so much different than every other agency. There are other scholars who've written from time to time on crime by police officers. I think something that's unique about the research that I've been conducting now since 2005 is that we've been collecting data from law enforcement agencies all over the country. At this point, we have data from Roughly 2,400 police departments across the country where one or more sworn law enforcement officers been arrested at some point since the beginning of 2005. So as we sit here today, uh, that's about 6,400 officers who were arrested in almost 7,500 cases. In other words, there are more criminal cases. Several of the officers, many of the officers, about a1,000, actually were either arrested more than once during the study or they have uh, multiple crime victims. They say if there are sexual assault cases and there are five victims, there would be five cases or so. In terms of some of the findings, things that we've learned about police crime in the various papers that we've written, studies we've conducted, we know with in terms of the life course of the police career, one of the things we found out in our study, late-stage police crime, is that about 20% of the cases where an officer was arrested for committing a crime The officer had 18 or more years of service at the time of their arrest. And that really goes against what police scholars have written for years, that the theoretical notion is that if police officers are going to engage in misconduct, they're going to do so very early in their career. They're going to go to the police academy. They're going to go through the encounter stage. They're going to go through this experience of an encounter into the police culture. And that they may act up during the first few years of their police career, but by the time they get to four, five, six years, they calm down and they generally ride it out to retirement or they move on to other things, but they don't engage in trouble that's going to get them arrested or end in any sort of a career-ending misconduct. So our finding in terms of the 20% or so of crime that's committed at late stage, just prior to retirement time, is really sort of a fascinating finding. And then in terms of off-duty misconduct, we found that about half the crime that's committed by law enforcement officers is committed while they're off-duty, and that there are some distinctions in terms of crimes that are committed off-duty and crimes that are committed on-duty. Obviously, alcohol-related crimes are more associated with being off-duty than on-duty, although there is a small percentage of police officers who are arrested for alcohol-related crimes on-duty. Interestingly, violence crosses over, so violence-related criminal offenses, both on-duty and off-duty. As I mentioned earlier, policing is violent, and that seems to carry over into a police officer's off-duty time. So we see that there's really no difference in terms of the violence-related crimes that are committed off-duty and those that are committed on-duty. They commit crimes that are violent on-duty, they commit crimes that are violent off-duty. We typically see drug cases often are on duty related criminal acts, but we also see a lot of crime that's committed by police officers that's drug related that's committed off duty as well. We'll talk about some of those differences as to police women in a few minutes with our current study. And then we've also done some other studies recently with police crime where we looked at drug related crimes and we looked at drug related crimes and different types of corruption and found that overall, The specific drug that has the most impact on different types of corruption is cocaine. We also recently conducted a study of officer involved domestic violence, and that was an interesting study involving 324 cases of domestic violence. So here we're going to look at crimes by police women. We're also going to compare them with those crimes that are committed by policemen. So we're looking at female officers and male officers in this study. So in terms of the current study, I should point out that if it's not clear, this is part of a larger study on police crime, and the data from this study was from the years 2005, 2006, and 2007.
1: So right now, we have increasing numbers of groups that have in the past not been represented in policing. So we have non-whites and females starting to enter into policing. We are also seeing that these groups are having a hard time infiltrating, if you will, into the brotherhood or the the boys club of the inner police subculture. In essence, female officers report that they don't feel welcome, that policing isn't a female-friendly environment. And in terms of police crime, most of this research has kind of thrown away the individual officer culpability myth, and they've started to look at how the environment and the culture kind of foster these types of misconduct and criminal behavior. It's a controversial issue, but a lot of research is looking at how female officers do the job differently, how they police differently. A lot of studies look at whether they are less likely to be the subjects of citizen complaints, whether they use less excessive force, whether they are involved in less rule breaking, whether they are better communicators with the public, and whether they are more ethical In broader terms, I think that citizens view women as more ethical or more um, value oriented or even just plainly less violent. Regarding studies of police crime generally, there usually will be the gender component or control variable or independent variable that differentiates between men and women and their behaviors. But usually this difference is recognized but then not more fully explained. So we're looking at females do differ in terms of engaging in these types of behaviors, but nobody really looks at the uh, causes and the nature of police crime committed by police women. They're usually used as a comparison to the broader group or to the male group. Today we want to look at how maybe their different experiences on the job may lead to differences in their deviance or criminal behavior. For starters, we're going to just look at the nature of their criminal behavior, compare those to the nature of behavior committed by police men, and then ultimately we'll have questions to be asked of, about why there are differences and whether this might be something that should be looked at further. Do you want to talk about the data, Dr. Stinson?
0: All right, so this is part of a larger study on police crime. In the larger study, we're looking at the first three years of data collection, so 2005, 2006, and 2007. And in the larger data set, we had 2,119 criminal cases involving 1,746 sworn law enforcement officers who were arrested during 2005, 2006, or 2007. Some of the officers were arrested more than once, and some of the officers had multiple cases with more than one victim. And in that larger data set, the officers who were arrested were employed by just over uh, 1,000 non-federal law enforcement agencies, and those agencies were located in all 50 states in the District of Columbia. And from that larger data set, our sample in this study is of the cases where women police officers were arrested. And we have 105 cases involving police women who were arrested. And that's exactly 5% of our larger data set. I should point out that there are some limitations in our research that we're going to talk about in, in more detail in just a few minutes. First, the research is constrained by the content and quality of the information that we relied on in this study. And the source of our data are news articles, primarily. In late 2004, I set up 48 different search terms that we plugged into Google Alerts. Basically, what happens is Google automatically runs these searches every day, over and over again, constantly crawl the Google News search engine. And whenever there's a hit on a new news article that meets one or more of our search terms, I get an email with a link to the article or articles that match the search terms and then we look at the articles to see if they're relevant or not. That is a limitation in terms of we only have information to the extent that it was reported by the news media. Second, the data that we have are limited to cases where there was an official arrest. If there was misconduct by a police woman, if there was a complaint that was made of crime but there was no arrest or no charges brought, we wouldn't have that in this data set. We're only interested in cases where there was actually an official arrest. Third, the data is limited by filtering process that includes discretion by the media. So we recognize that in some instances things are viewed as important and are included in news reports, and in other instances there may be information that would be relevant to us but isn't included in the news reports, so we don't have that. And then finally, it is a limitation in this study, that we only have 105 cases, but we need to look at that in the context of 5% of our cases involve police women who were arrested. And in terms of policing at large in this country, only about 12% of sworn law enforcement officers in state and local law enforcement agencies are female officers. So, if anything, I suppose they're underrepresented in terms of officers who are arrested.
1: Which is also noteworthy because the media may be more apt to include stories on women who commit crimes. If they are a minority group in policing, that makes it a bigger story by its nature that it's unusual that they, one, are cops, two, are cops who are committing crimes. And three, they're also violating that gender role where it's a woman who's being deviant. So it might be that this is even less prevalent than we might think.
0: I think that's true. Anytime that there's some sort of uh, you know sensational value, a newspaper or an online newspaper, even any news source is more likely to publish it. It used to be when we had newspapers, editors would have a term that was used, if it bleeds, it leads that they wanted a picture of a traffic accident above the fold on the front page of the newspaper. So when you go to those boxes to buy a newspaper in the morning, you see some sort of a gory accident. People are more likely to buy the newspaper, stick 25 cents or whatever into the box. And I think you're right, Natalie. I think that in the case of women police officers, if anything, their arrests are more likely to be reported, even a routine or mundane case, that otherwise would not be newsworthy, the fact that it's a female officer, it's more novel to newspaper readers, it's more likely to be published. I think that's probably true. So in terms of our study, some of the findings, almost all of the women in our study held non supervisory ranks in other words they were patrol or street level positions they were police officers they were deputy sheriffs they were state troopers and they were detectives they were not sergeants they were not lieutenants and they typically were not police chiefs there were some officers who were of a higher rank but by and large, almost 93% of the cases involved women who held non-supervisory ranks in their law enforcement agencies. Over half of the women were ages 29 to 43 at the time of their arrest, with under 12 years of experience as a sworn law enforcement officer. And most of the women who were arrested were employed either by a municipal police department or a sheriff's office, although some of the female officers were employed by special police departments, so that would be park police departments, school district police departments, that type of thing, and a few were employed by county police departments, and a few were employed by primary state police agencies. In terms of where they worked, the police women who were arrested were employed by law enforcement agencies in 29 states, and Pennsylvania had the most, with 10 of the officers were Pennsylvania police officers. New York was also highly represented with nine, as was Tennessee, and then the next most prevalent state was Ohio with seven of the female officers. So that's seven out of 105 cases. Over half of the police women were employed by large police departments that employed 250 or more sworn law enforcement officers. With respect to the specific criminal offenses for which police women were arrested, assault-related crimes were the most prevalent. About 25% of the cases involved assault-related crimes. We also saw a high number of driving while intoxicated or driving under the influence cases. 18% of the cases involved police women who were charged with DUI. And then the next most prevalent offense was official misconduct or official oppression. In some places, it's called violation of oath. And those are a catch all offense where they really don't capture the nature of the essence of the criminal offense but it's a crime that's charged in states where they have such an offense that relates to a crime that's committed in someone's official capacity as a public employee. And there we have about 15% of the cases were official misconduct cases. And then as we look down through all the other crimes, they're pretty much crimes that we see across the board, all sorts of crimes that are charged against these 105 women. In my dissertation research, I developed the typology of police crime when I noticed that almost all crimes for which law enforcement officers were arrested fell into one or more of five types of crime. They were either sex-related offenses, violence-related offenses, drug-related offenses, alcohol-related offenses, and or profit-motivated offenses. When we look at the crimes for which police women were arrested, we find that 38% of the cases involve profit motivated crimes. So profit motivated crimes are the most prevalent in terms of my typology of police crime when we look at the crimes by police women. Followed closely by violence related crimes, where 35% of the cases involve violence related offenses about 21 percent of the crimes involved alcohol-related offenses. Less than 5 percent of the cases involved sex-related crimes. So what we see here is that the most prevalent categories are profit-motivated and violence-related offenses in terms of the police women. If we take a look at some of the specific offenses that the police women were arrested for, I want to look at the profit-motivated crime because we saw something interesting here. There were a number of cases more than we expected to see were women we were arrested for fraud-related crimes, specifically fraud-related arson. Also, embezzlement, false pretenses, welfare fraud, shoplifting offenses, and stolen property offenses. In other words, those are all profit-motivated crimes, and that's very different from what we see with male officers.
1: So we can take this information and try to make sense of it. What, is, what does this mean in terms of police crime research and also practically for police departments in the future? Female officers in our study were most likely to be involved in profit-motivated crimes. This is different in terms of comparison between male and female officers because male officers are most often involved in or arrested for sex and violence-related crimes. This is consistent with our notion of police women being excluded from the police culture because it seems that they are also either excluded or involved in a different type of deviant behavior as well. And we can see this as an exclusion from what the boys are involved in versus what females become involved in. They are also arrested for violence-related crimes. It may be that this is seen as behavior that's unfit for what a lady should be, regardless of whether she's a police officer or not she may be seen as violating some gender norm that she's supposed to be fitting in. And it may be that these are are seen as criminal actions because that's not what she's supposed to be doing. But also we see that there is a similarity in that both male officers and female officers are involved in alcohol-related crimes, which is consistent with other information that says that perhaps female and male officers are similarly affected by the stressors of police work and so forth. Going back to the profit-motivated crimes, we can see this as perhaps an indication that female officers are less successful at attaining promotion. so it might be that this is their way of either making it in a job where they are not able to elevate their status or reaction to a system that will not let them make more money than their male counterparts.
0: It's interesting to note with the profit-motivated offenses by the female officers in our study here. It's fairly consistent with other research looking at occupational crime committed by female employees. and specifically related to the crime committed by female bookkeepers, bank tellers, and administrative assistants who have occupational experience or sometimes economic marginalization. Profit-motivated crimes by women... Particularly theft-related crimes, such as uh, false pretenses and embezzlement, stand out as criminal offenses in which females often equal or exceed the number of males arrested. For example, in 2008, the FBI's Uniform Crime Report reported that 51% of embezzlement crimes and 41% of larceny theft arrests involved a female suspect, 51% in 2008. So in our study, 65% of the profit motivated arrest cases were job related in so much as the crime occurred while the police women were on duty and or they involved some other aspect of their law enforcement status in the commission of the crime.
1: As a takeaway from this information, we are left with perhaps a lot of questions to be answered, specifically regarding why these crimes, why we're seeing these differences. We can make conjectures as to why we could draw from the existing literature on policing and police women in general, but the grand takeaway, I suppose, is that these types of behaviors need to be investigated further into what is causing police women crime as opposed to male officer crimes and what perhaps are different ways of identifying and dealing with these different problems.
0: I think that pretty much covers everything that we needed to talk about in this episode of our podcast. We're recording this in Chicago where Natalie and I are attending the annual conference of the American Society of Criminology. So Natalie, have a safe flight back to Phoenix and I uh, thank you for your uh, work on this paper. Thank you.